Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. To get the Crime Writers on After Show right now, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, a car bomb kills a reporter in Malta. A group of journalists come together to complete her investigation into government corruption and find those responsible for her death. We'll review who killed Daphne from Wondery. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of the These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband, and yes, the love of my life, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. Also, You're looking camera ready today. Thank you very much. I had to be because of our live crowd watching us tonight. Oh, that's it's right. Very exciting. I almost forgot all those people were on Zoom watching us do this. Also with us. <laughs> <laughs> also with us is the perennially distracted private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, author of Dead on Deadline, and the upcoming The Final Curtain, Lara Bricker. Hello, Lara. Hello, Rebecca. And apparently Water Street Bookstore not only ships for free, but they will also give you a puppy if you order my book. So um, that's the word on the street this week in Exeter. Okay. The Final Curtain by Laura Bricker. Not only can you get a signed copy if you pre-order it, but apparently a puppy. A signed puppy. (laughs) (laughs) Which you'll be taking care of for the next 12 to 15 years. And have to walk and feed and pay the vet bills for. So uh, congratulations. And finally, our captain of all things cynical, author of the City Trilogy, host of the Strange Arrivals podcast, and our Patreon deep dive book club podcast host, Toby Ball. Hello, Toby. Hello, Rebecca. All right. So, Kevin, before we start the show, we got to get some business done. We are back to a twice weekly schedule. Yeah, it means there'll be another Crime Writers on episode on Thursday. Yay! So what is coming up on Thursday's show? We're going to be talking about the podcast, The Sunshine Place. Oh, you know, I love a cult, Kevin. Not as much as Toby Ball, but yes. That's true. Yeah, I think we're just going to let Toby talk about it the whole time. Yeah, yeah. We do love a cult. We love a feud among subcultures and a cult that has a feud among subcultures within it. It's got it all. So many layers. And a cult that requires uh, mandatory vasectomies. I mean, what else is there not to love about this? It has everything. It has. Safe hands, forced abortions, (laughs) jazz music. That's right. It's got everything. Um, And of course, we want to welcome all of our listeners right now who are watching us doing this taping on Zoom. We really appreciate you showing up and watching us do what we do. Congratulations to you all. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Laura, you've got some news. You have a new gig. Yes. 
a very exciting new job that's also very weird, which I would like to Tell hear about. Tell the world. <laughs> very exciting, but also very weird. Yeah. So I have come full circle and I have gone back to equestrian journalism, mm. which is actually what not I went to college. Not a niche at all. <laughs> not a niche at all. Um, I mean, who knew there was such a thing? Um, so yeah, I'm now a staff writer for the Chronicle of the Horse and- I get to cover the horse show world, and it's very interesting. And um, I've started riding again. So it's, it's kind of a brave new world in the, the land of Lara. I've been loving your riding videos you've been posting on social media. I think you should share some of them in the group because you have joined a synchronized riding team, from my understanding. Yes, the Middle Age Ladies Synchronized Riding Team. Now, that's not what it's actually called, but that's what I'm calling it. Yeah. And I am the troublemaker of the group. I, I know you're all surprised. Uh, obviously, yes. I want theme music. I want costumes. They want us to practice, practice, practice. So we'll see how that goes. All I can imagine is Lara and Martin Short going, I know you. I, I know, know you. you. <laughs> Remember that Saturday Night Live? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Lara, I have a question that I need you to ask the Chronicle of the Horse people. Okay. I have desperately been trying to get some Chronicle of the Horse merch, like a t-shirt oh, or a hat okay. or something, because I want to rep your brand so hard. They don't have anything except for fancy scarves. They just have pictures of horses on them, but nothing oh. that says like Chronicle of the Horse. Can you find mm. out if there's any Chronicle of the Horse merch that we could link to? Yeah. From like our stuff, because I really want our listeners to be able to help you rep your journalism brand. Yeah, no, I will absolutely ask. I mean, this is the horsey world. That might not be something we do there. I'm not really sure, but <laughs> I will find out. Uh, if not, I can make some merch. So just stay tuned. Okay. <laughs> you think they'll let you start your own and, Patreon? You're like, Sigh. Yeah, it'll be like, can you buy the shirt that says, I am part of the middle-aged ladies synchronized riding team. Mm. <laughs> Sponsored by Chronicle of the Horse. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> oh no it's better than chronicle of the whores <laughs> uh, well there is there is that i mean oh man <laughs> so yeah so i've been spending my week trying to get in touch with the winner of this big competition in england and of course the one response i got was at 2 13 a.m when i was asleep so that's been an interesting experience i'm um, hmm. trying to get used to the international nature of the horse show world yes and the names Yes, they yes. have really good names like Pippa and Piggy and like all these fantastic British names that I just love. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, I'm really looking forward to seeing your career there flourish and reading the articles that you write. And I guess that we'll have to follow that as part of our continuing storyline. Right, Kevin? So much excitement on Crime Writers On. All right. Well, I think it's time that we get to our review of the episode. So yep. let's get that done. Uh, is everyone ready? We have been born ready. All right. Kevin, why don't you go ahead and drop that first clip right now. The SMS message flew to a cell phone tower facing the harbour. It moved through the network, through wires and exchanges. It reached a single cell phone mast near the stone house and then was sent to its final destination. An electronic switch attached to a mobile SIM card tucked under the front seat of the woman's car. The circuit board is what police call a god device. It determines who lives, who dies. Daphne Caruana Galizia was murdered when a car bomb exploded outside her home in Malta. The investigative journalist had been a thorn in the side of government officials, many of whom had been suing her for libel over her stories on corruption. People were really crying. And it was strange because my brothers and I weren't, you know, we were just, we were just there. And weirdly, we were comforting them. 
But then, in one moment, one man just shouted out. Oh, no, I really do justicia. So, justice, we want justice. After her death, a group of international reporters took up Daphne's work, looking to complete the stories that cost her her life. Their investigation into who was behind her assassination would focus on Malta's most powerful people and even threaten to topple the government. As I walked through the old city gates of Valletta, it was pouring of rain. But Republic Street was full of protesters. The whole place had the air of revolution. Wondery presents the six-part podcast, Who Killed Daphne?, Reuters reporter Stephen Gray takes us inside his colleagues' effort to finish her expose into government corruption and officials' half-hearted attempts to solve the crime. It's an inside look at the quest to avenge her death, the only way journalists know how to publish the truth. Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about plot points from Who Killed Daphne? So if you want to remain spoiler-free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes for our thumbs-up or thumbs-down reviews. Now, Lara Bricker, you love hearing about fearless journalists who fight the man, correct? Oh, you know I do. When I hear a story about somebody like this, it sort of gets me. I'm like, this is somebody I would like to hang out with. I like to hear about these people not being afraid and persisting. And Daphne certainly like fits into that territory. But my issue with that was like, I felt like this particular story of her life, there were times it was told from a more journalistic point of view and the reporting was very solid and the sourcing was very solid, but it wasn't told in like that podcast sort of narrative storytelling style that was, you know, had some suspense and had some of that built into the story. But she, I mean, my God, she's like reporting, she's got threats, she's raising kids while this is all happening. I mean, it's just terrifying the things there were like shades of um, Scientology to me at one point. Like I think her dog got killed or something. And when you hear about somebody going to those lengths to be the public watchdog, that always is something where I'm like, all right, good for you. Unfortunately, she was assassinated. But, you know, I always appreciate hearing those fearless journalism stories. Now, Toby, though, this podcast is sort of an extension of print stories. Do you think it translates well to audio? Yes and no. I mean, I, I feel like it does feel like, you know, halfway through or whatever, like, well, you know, we could probably also spin off a podcast from all our reporting. And it's it's a lot like some other podcasts we've we've listened to by newspaper people in that I don't think they don't feel like they really use podcasting for what podcasts are best at. You know, it, it feels a lot like, you know, a newspaper, long, long newspaper article kind of read and instead of like having things in quotes, they have the actual tape for the most part, which, which is good, but I don't, you know, I found it for a story that I think is sort of inherently interesting. I found it a little hard to follow. I didn't feel like I had much of a sense of who any of these people were beyond sort of their title and their position in government, or if they were at a potato warehouse or wherever that place was. So to a certain degree, it was like, okay, who's this guy again? Like, is he a like super rich businessman or is he like some member of the cabinet? I, I kind of felt as though the storytelling aspect didn't match like sort of really, really good podcasts, although the reporting is, you know, obviously really good. And the story itself is fascinating, but it was, it was a little hard to follow. And to tell you the truth, I still like even discussing it now. I'm like, OK, 
you know, trying to keep people straight and what, who they were with a few exceptions, I, I, I find it's a little muddled. You know, I was wondering, Toby, myself, like they describe Malta as this tiny country, right? Yep. And then over and over again, there are so many characters who have the same last name and they keep saying, but they're not related. Like there are two people named Muscat yeah. in this <laughs> yeah. podcast. And one of them is the prime minister and one of them is a bad guy. <laughs> and then they have... Um, or are they both bad guys? And then That's they have, a big question. Yeah, two people with the same last name and one of them is a defense lawyer and one of them is a bad guy. <laughs> and it's like, it's confusing. But I also feel like there isn't an explanation of like Malta, the place. And we were just talking about this before we taped. And I was like, I don't want to betray my huge ignorance because I meant to do this like deep dive into Malta, the place. It is a really interesting place, like just as a state in the world. And I, I feel like that was a missing piece on the board that would have added a tremendous amount of context to the story because like the geopolitical intrigue here, it's almost like a Scandi noir story. Actually, it's exactly like a Scandi noir story. There's an, a crime that's set off by an energy scandal, which is literally how Every Scandi Noir show I've ever watched has started off with like some corruption thing like that's been triggered by some energy scandal. And then there's a yacht that's in port that <laughs> and it's like all this geopolitical stuff, the financial independence that and it, it involves the Panama Papers. Don't you feel, Toby, like understanding a little bit more about Malta, the place, the scene setting would have really helped a little bit here? Yeah, I mean, I did. I didn't know very much about Malta at all. And, you know, I just Wikipedia it. It's super, I mean, the history is super interesting. And I kind of like, I guess I just sort of assumed it'd be mostly Italian, you know, citizenry. But in fact, it's like this place where in the last 2200 years or whatever has switched hands like 15 times or something. And it said Muslim rulers. It's had the Knights Hospitallers, who were like one of those orders of knights that was supposedly protecting the Holy Land. Great Britain had it at the end before it got its independence. So it's this very rich history where it's constantly switching hands. I think you can kind of tell that there's a variety of ethnicities on the Island just from the last names of the people who are, who are brought up, but I still don't know. Like, I guess you get a little bit of a sense that there's like a banking industry and like energy is a big thing or whatever, but I just kind of feel like if they'd done a little bit, like it's so, it's so interesting that I don't think it would have been a hard pill to swallow to kind of give especially for us geographically illiterate Americans, like the quick, like four minute, like this is the deal with Malta, or you could even just sprinkle it in at different times when it becomes useful to the story. But to me, I found that was just like another thing that I didn't quite have a handle on that made the story harder to digest. The other thing that was hard for me to digest, Kevin, was Daphne's actual place in journalism, right? They said she had the most popular blog in Malta, and at alternating times, I was like a blog. Well, you know, that's just a website, right? Yeah. So at, uh, yeah, al- at alternating times, she was portrayed as this hard hitting, serious journalist, even by the prime minister himself, the former prime minister himself. And then also portrayed as like this gossip columnist. And it was very hard to sort of pin down because this Daphne project was created, this very serious group of journalists from around the world who took up her cause after she was murdered and you assume they wouldn't have done that unless she was on to something really, really good and d- done some serious investigative journalism, which she clearly was. But she also published a thing where, like, 
finance minister's in the brothel right now. He's in the shower. He's dropping his towel. You know, prime minister's eating at McDonald's while he's... E- yeah, eating French like fries. Like Burger King while he's... <laughs> like, what did you make of that? Sort of the portrayal of her as a journalist in this podcast. There is a little bit of, of uh, Mandy Matney in Daphne. Sort of a self-made, on-your-own kind of journalist not in traditional media, but really like digging into some hard hitting stuff, but also doing the, well, the prime ministers at McDonald's and that's a big scandal. And you're kind of like, Oh, is it though? But yeah, I did not get a sense like how she got her reputation and got her sources and that kind of thing, because investigative journalism isn't just a beat that you get assigned, like covering the state house or the crime beat or something like that. So, I would really like to, you know, especially if you're you're freelance, right? I mean, some people will talk to a journalist because of the power of the media outlet that they represent. And if this is a blog or even a well-read blog or website or however, you know, it it falls into the way the public in Malta uh, viewed it, you know, you got to make that yourself. And so I think they did a good job of sort of showing the public adoration that she was given after her death that, you know, certainly... The common folks understood what she was up to and they came out to her funeral and everything. And I think we're supposed to, you know, remember Daphne as a revered journalist. And I I think that maybe the true true life might be a little more complicated than that. Do you think we got enough context with the Panama Papers and what those were all about? Right. You know, that was one of the things that came out of it was that when the Daphne Project started pulling stuff, they just dropped the reference to the Panama Papers. And apparently some of her reporting was in conjunction with that. But they also kind of left it there because they didn't really explain that. There was a little bit of history, like Toby was saying, that like could have been provided context for an American audience, certainly one that is news literate, but maybe not into all the details. As I recall, five years ago or so, there was a, you know, a, a, a massive international investigative reporting effort around documentation about finances, all sorts of important political people That ran through Panama, how she got involved and what her piece was. I think that they did say like, you know, this minister and that minister was involved. But I I thought that that was, you know, an interesting historical place that she, you know, that she was involved with. But we didn't quite get that. I, I like a podcast that doesn't talk down to you. But I also feel that sometimes they need to really signpost things better for an audience that may not be as up to date with the information or the the kinds of references that the host is. And there were times in this where I I thought that happened. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. 
Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. All right, so Kevin, here we are. It's time for the business section. Let's do some business. Yeah, business time. So right now on Patreon, you, you can hear the latest Crime Writers on After Show. What are we talking about? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about our trip to Dallas for the convention for podcast movement and to some of the movers and shakers that we partied with. And our meetup. With and our meetup. Yep. Yes, those are the movers and shakers I was talking about. Uh, we had a, a meetup in Dallas, and we had more than a dozen people show up. It was a really great time. Also, Lara Bricker, you also went on a little trip. Yes. And there is a true crime tie-in, right? Oh, there certainly is. I went to a sleepy little island in South Carolina. No sooner did I get there in a rainy day dive bar experience, I met the Lara Bricker of that island, who <laughs> pointed me to... The summer home of the Murdoch family. All right. Murdoch. Murdoch. Come they on. call it Murdoch. Murdoch. Down there, they say Murdoch. Oh, Mandy let us Y'all. astray. Mandy, Mandy, Mandy would not like that. Mandy would not be happy with those people. God. Check your car, Mandy. Yeah. Mandy Matney left the Fitz News Service while I was there. It was a big scandal oh. on the island. Wow. wow. All right. We'll hear more about that on the after show. Also, we've got the latest edition of Married with Podcast. Mm. Rebecca and I dishing out relationship advice. It seems like the relationships people want to talk about are the ones with their exes. Yes. And we've been given some advice. Some friends of ours getting caught up in abusive litigation. It's a thing, and it is not okay. And also, getting back to Laura Bricker, we have the latest Leave It to Bricker podcast, in which Laura, you know how much she's a digger, right? Yeah. She digs down deep. <laughs> there was something in the ground in Exeter. Is it a secret tunnel? Is it a secret burial place? Only Laura Bricker knows the truth. Really? Yeah. Yeah. If you want to hear any of that, plus about another 300 exclusive podcasts, you go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You can sign up for your level and get all sorts of exclusive content, including Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club and uh, thus ends, thus ends the business section. All right. I'm going to fade that music out right now. All right. So Laura, there is some extraordinary tape in this podcast. For me, one bit of extraordinary tape happens in episode three when former Prime Minister Muscat, not the other Muscat, talks about how he felt immediately after Daphne was murdered. And this is not a, you know, politically correct way of, of replying. I knew for a fact that, let's put it this way, a dead journalist is more damning than a journalist who is alive. I thought that was an extraordinary thing for him to get on tape of the former prime minister saying, I mean, there are a lot of pieces of very good interview tape in this podcast, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was amazing because, I mean, you know, they have the prime minister, the fact that he is so candid and so forthcoming about not only her death, but also his relationship with her while she was alive as a journalist on the island. You know, we also have the guy that was hired at one point to was we had the, the guy, the car bomb guy who's like, yeah, it's business. 
sorry. (laughs) You You got a confession. Yeah. And, And that is just remarkable because, you know, not only do you have the high ranking politician, but it's like, I guess when I'm hearing this tape, what I'm thinking is, you kind of wonder what would have happened if this guy from Reuters and the other journalists who joined on with the Daphne project hadn't pushed as hard as they did because the police and the authorities weren't really going to pursue it in this way. There was information that somebody was leaking, you know, somebody from the police was leaking information to the people they initially arrested. So there was kind of a compromised intelligence operation happening there. You know, the authorities don't really seem interested in tracking down who killed her. And you realize how many enemies she really had. But to then get that on tape was pretty remarkable. And and that's what I was saying in the beginning. Like, We have tremendous reporting in this and we have people that are dogged journalists and investigators. I just was like, I wish it was packaged a little bit differently because I felt like the storytelling, if it had been a little bit different, would have just brought this to a whole nother level because of that reporting that they had in this. Toby, what did you think of the tape they were able to gather for this podcast? I mean, I, you know, I I basically agree with Laura. It's, it's pretty incredible And I also agree with Laura that I don't think it's necessarily deployed in the way that is best suited for podcasting. You know, there is a certain like one thing after the other aspect to this. It's like we did this and we did this and this didn't work. And then we got this person to talk and I couldn't believe when he said this and then this happened and we went here. It just seemed like with a little more sort of imagination and a little more thinking through like how do we use podcasting differently than we're using print journalism. I think it could have been a lot different. I think we were talking back, uh, I guess with Kevin about Daphne and like sort of this mixture of like reporting and then like sort of gossip mongering and stuff. And, you know, I, I read an article, I didn't come into this completely cold. Like I can't remember if it was the New Yorker or the guardian or somewhere I'd read an article about this a few years ago and the way they painted her in the article was that she was like considered to be kind of a gadfly. Right. And that she's just trying to stick it to people in power in any way that she can. And sometimes that's like deeply reported, like corruption, like stuff that that's, you know, seriously newsworthy. And then other times it's like, this guy's an idiot, like, or this guy has no taste or this guy's going to a house of prostitution or whatever. So it was just like, bang, bang, bang. That's why she had so many enemies is because, I mean, she was just this like sort of relentlessly going after them in, in ways big and small. So yeah, I guess that that's my take is again, is there's all this really interesting stuff. I just wish it, it just seemed like there was like a podcasting professional who could be like, all right, look, you know, we can take all this stuff, but we just, we've got to like, the way it, it needs to be built and arranged has to be different for this medium. You mean like the podcasting professionals who work at Wondery? Is that- <laughs> <laughs> well, but I, but I mean, I think, did you feel like you were listening to a Wondery podcast except for like the very beginning? Yeah, I like, did. And the sound effects throughout. There, well, there's a well, little yes bit. and no. I felt like I was listening. Yeah. And then there was like the, the who wants to be a millionaire thing that was always coming. It's like, da, 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 da. And it's like <laughs> I felt like I was listening to a very cheap version of I'm not a monster, like a like a very cheap yeah. version. I also felt like there were so many potentially suspenseful moments 
Yeah. Like the dude in the bar with a hidden camera in the bag. Mm-hmm. It's like, shouldn't that have been oh, when suspenseful? When he went in the bathroom? Yes. Yeah. And I went in the bathroom. What were we going to say, Kevin? I was going to say one piece tip I liked was when Stephen was there outside parliament or not parliament, the government building while there are these protests over this political scandal as a result of the assassination. As the crowd chanted outside, the meeting kept going late into the night. It's 20 to 1 now, and the cabinet still have not come out, but the protesters are starting to jeer and call for the, uh, well, they're saying a call for the clowns to come out. And I think what that shows is, and I think it was Toby who said this, that kind of halfway through the story, someone says, this would make a good podcast. Maybe we should start recording some of it because sort of like halfway through, instead of just being interviews that Stephen digs up and sort of rehashing where they've been and how they got there, we hear him like on telephone calls yes. with people and right. And then, OK, we're going to we're going to do this as a podcast. I think it's a really dense podcast with a lot of figures in it. And I think that if they not only trimmed it, guys, I think if they slowed it down. Right. I think about sort of the tone of either the Trojan horse affair or Project Unibomb, where you had a lot of stuff like this, but they also spaced it out with some simple music. Right. With just a couple and and to just kind of give space much more like you would hear in the style of like this American life, you know, that kind of thing. And to signpost more. I, I didn't hate this podcast, but it was kind of difficult to follow the action. So a great scene that it, that exemplifies what you're talking about, like a, a where we were scene mm-hmm. that could have been like, so they went to the room where they had set up the war room for the Daphne project, right? Yeah. It clearly wasn't in the moment where they were in the war room. It was like they went to the place where they had done it. And it was like, this is where we did it. There were a bunch of screens and it was like the cleaning people, like don't tell anybody, but the cleaning <laughs> people did come in, right? Yeah. How cool would it have been if they were rolling tape when that had actually been happening? You're right, because in the hallway in Parliament or the hallway when the prime ministers were there, it's one o'clock in the morning. It's two o'clock in the morning. Why do they lock us in this room? That's all really good. So it would have been good if they'd rolled earlier. But because they weren't rolling earlier, they could have at least written those parts in a more suspenseful way, not to recreate them. But to at least like convey some of the urgency of why is it important to be in a locked room? Why is it important to have air? They just said that there were air gap computers, but they didn't say why they need air gap computers, because this is the amount of like hacking that people try to do to get this information. This is the peril of the work. Like we never really get a sense of like why they have to do their work in secrecy. We're just told that they do do their work in secrecy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's some of that. It's it's it is it. You know, by the way, I didn't hate this podcast either. I don't want to like give the impression that I do. It's just like I just saw so much potential, and every time there was potential, I was like, ooh. Like for instance, there's a scene where a yacht is leaving port at the end of an episode, and you're like, amazing end of episode moment that like could have been like a hunt for Red October like level suspenseful <laughs> moment, but it, it almost ends up being funny. Jurgen Fennick's yacht was leaving the island right in front of Jacob's eyes. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I've got the local police in front of me, like, guys, why are you focusing all your attention on us? You've got Daphne Caruana Galizia's med suspects slowly slinking outside of the harbor unchallenged. Well, I thought it would, I thought it could be funnier because it's just like, where is he going? You know, I... (laughs) 
Like you're on a yacht. It's not like it's like you're gonna land in Italy and you're gonna get asylum or something. He's gonna ship you right back. He's going to the middle of the Mediterranean. You're going like 14 knots on this yacht. I mean, you're not going anywhere. What did you think of the Yahtzee and Kevin? Because you know about that too. Yeah. I, well, I'll tell you the whole stakeout thing. Again, we love stuff that you know shows the inside of the news gathering. And so when this reporter and the photographer are talking about like going down the docks and they're spotted by security and they're like, yeah, go ahead and call the cops and everybody's wearing black. And it's, you know, that was a really great detail. It was fun to listen to that. I actually kind of wonder what they would have done if, you know, the police weren't around and they were just standing there and then the boat pulled away like again were they gonna like jump on like tj hooker and hang on to the <laughs> hang on to the bow hooker. don't you remember that <laughs> like that on the front of the car uh yeah and i just thought that was really interesting i do have a question i would love to know all your opinion about pm muscat because he's in the podcast which i do think is extraordinary that they yeah. got that interview and he comes off like I don't know. I'm interested to know okay, what you guys all think about because there's a lot of, you know, supposition about him and he's friends with Fennec, whatever the guy's name is, the, the evil guy. Mm-hmm. Jorgen, the guy right out Jorgen of Scandi Fennec, Noir yes. with the name Jorgen. Yeah, and he basically is like, sure, we were friends, but everybody was friends with this guy. By the way, Fennec's plan to like pin it on the former finance minister who was friends, by the way, drinking buddies with the assassins, which... I still haven't figured out what the fuck that means. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, but everybody was friends with him. And sure, like my other assistant's name was on that 17 black document. Everyone else was friends with that murderer. But also everyone else was getting bribes from the 17 black thing. Like the incestuousness of this corruption. Like, do we think like, why would this guy be in the podcast if he's super corrupt? But also, isn't that exactly what you would do if you were super? Oh, yeah. The (laughs) jujitsu. See, I'm curious about the political calculation, too, because why would he? I think he said Muscat said that he was hurt politically. Right. He was a political casualty. And Mm -hmm. I think that he wants to have a future in politics. So he might be trying to address this and clear his name in the court of public opinion, whether it can be or not. But I think that might be what. I mean, if I was his PR guy, I'd be like, I don't know. I mean, there's no proof his wife got a bribe, but there's also no proof his wife didn't get a bribe. Yeah. <laughs> it's got, yes. Laura, what do you think about uh, Muscat? Do you think, like, isn't that, ex- I mean, maybe he's completely innocent and that's why he did it, but isn't that also what a guy who totally is guilty would do? Wasn't that a bit politically naive in a way? Could be. Could be. The fact is that the end result was still one where the police did their job. And I paid the political price. So if it was naive from my side, I paid the political price for being naive. What did you think of him? Well, I mean, and that's that's the whole thing is that he's saying he's kind of like, well, I mean, he, he comes and he talks and that's, you know, forthcoming. But he also kind of tries to portray himself as being naive and like, you know, I just trusted the people around me. And that's that's really the only thing I'm guilty of, you know, but being in too a way, good of a friend. I'm just a nice, you know, I was trusting these people and yeah, they're corrupt. Oops. So, you know, I think it's going to, what I think is interesting about him is I want to know, like you said, Rebecca, like, where is he going to go from here? Like, where are we going to see him surface again after yeah. this? Because yeah. he definitely tried to spin the Joe Rogan show. This. That's what we're going to see. <laughs> <laughs> He's just, just asking like questions. The- Curious questions. Curious questions. Are there any other kind? Really? <laughs> what do you think, Toby? What do you think of Muscat? I just think like anybody who's 
you know, a president or that powerful probably thinks that they're better off talking than not talking. Like I think that, you know, they have confidence in their, their ability to like sway the masses and, and, and make a good case for themselves. So I worked once before sur- Toby. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't surprise me. Um, yeah, yeah but I, you know, I, I feel like all these guys like he'll end up like in the IMF or the world bank or something, you know, the, these guys, these guys don't fall far. How about the penitentiary? Yeah, I don't think so. Exactly. These people don't fall for it. They always, they always fail up. They'll yeah, end up he'll with a like podcast the, deal with Spotify. Deutsche Bank or something. Maybe they need a new CEO at 17 Black. So. 100%. He'll get a podcast deal with Spotify. He'll be doing a talk show. It'll be fine. He'll yeah. be totally new from fine. from the Daily Wire. <laughs> PM talk. <laughs> Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. All right, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know. Should they check out Who Killed Daphne, the new podcast from Wondery? Kevin, do you want to like see what our listeners think first? Yeah, I put up a poll on Zoom for the folks that are watching. And for some reason, none of the choices made it into the poll itself. So there's just three. So I'm not positive. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure, though, that 36% of folks give Who Killed Daphne a thumbs up. Oh, it just changed. It just changed. Oh, Oh, it's it's, going up. It's going up right now. Okay. All right, so hold on. After the review, I'm just going to say it. I could just say end poll. So, boom. So the final choice ranking is pretty <laughs> even here, all right? So we have 39% were given a thumbs up, 39% went thumbs down, and 22% went thumbs sideways. Uh, let's see how this matches our panel. What do you think, Laura Bricker? Should our listeners check out Who Killed Daphne? Thumbs up or thumbs down or thumbs sideways for you? This is a thumb sideways for me. And this is because the reporting was really outstanding. Um, Not only do Daphne's friends that work in journalism and colleagues take on the case to find out who assassinated her, they find out. They get confessions. They get all this stuff on tape. They start a foundation. The reporting is Extremely good, but as like Kevin said, it's it's just a really dense podcast, and I had to keep rewinding and starting again. And I felt like I just wish the storytelling had been done a little bit differently, so that the suspense level was there a little bit more. Because this is a compelling story. You've got this really interesting setting. You've got this fearless woman who's taking on corruption. And some of that was hard to follow the way that the podcast was told. So I am a thumb sideways. What about you, Toby Ball? 
you know, I, this is the only time I'm going to address this, but because we have an audience on this one, we don't normally hear the clips that you play. So when you played that clip from the very beginning where it was like, you know, something do, do, about do, 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 the do, do, God do. switch decides who lives <laughs> or who dies or whatever. I was like, oh shit, I remember that. I like, I'd kind of forgotten that. And my heart kind of sank when I heard it. Cause I was like, come on, like this is supposed to be like serious journalists. And you're starting with this like sort of like shitty James Bond thing. So I guess I was thinking I was coming in as a, as a thumb slightly up and then I kind of slipped down to a thumb sideways. Uh, but I think I'll finish up on a thumb slightly up. I mean, the story's really good. You know, it, it's hard to criticize the journalism aspect of it. The story's super interesting. I think it's actually kind of important in some ways. And I think there's a uh, the there's like a sort of a bonus episode at the end, which is a roundtable conversation. And they do talk about the peril that journalists are in around the world and and how that's that's gotten worse, not better. So. Yeah, I'm I'm sort of a, a, a minor thumbs up. I, I wish they had done a little bit more with sort of the podcasting medium in mind, and I think it could have been great, but it wasn't, so it's just good. Kevin Flint. I'm also a mild thumbs up. It does have some problems. The journalism is good. The story is really fascinating. It is kind of tight, like one of those Scooby-Doo sandwiches where it's like the triple decker and squeezed together with a piece of string so Scooby and Shaggy can get in uh, their mouth. And that's probably, no one's ever probably done any critical examination by. Uh, do they eat the string? This, that's what I've always wanted to do. They actually eat the string. They gotta pull it, do they eat the string? Yeah. It's like one of those. Uh, that's what I've always wanted to know. Yeah, probably not. Uh, so anyway, I think that this was, uh, this was a good podcast, but it was hard to follow. And I think you're just. A lot of the times I was just kind of waiting for some action or twist in the plot to kind of reorient myself. So I think it could have been told better, but you can't give it a thumbs down or maybe you will. But I don't think you really you can give it a thumbs down because of the effort they put into it. Wondry is, uh, you know, for every manslaughter that they put out, there is the gladiator. There is the apology line. You know, sometimes they're pretty good about identifying what can be a substantive podcast. This is one, although... I think that maybe they could have guided them in a different way narratively. Yeah, I'm giving this a thumbs up. I think I liked it a little bit more than you guys did. I loved episode three. I came home after listening to episode three and remember, Kevin, I said to you, I was like, I really like this podcast. I thought episode three was like an outstanding podcast episode. That was the episode that featured the interview with... Uh, Prime Minister Muscat, former Prime Minister Muscat. There were very high moments in this, and there were just a lot of boring moments. Um, and I think that that's the issue, is that there were too many boring moments. And, you know, if the boring moments could have just been, honestly, like if there were an honest editor in the room who just said, dudes, like, this part's boring, like make it shorter, make it more suspenseful, or just don't include it. I know that for you, it was an interesting moment of reporting, but we don't need it for this because this is audio. Take it out. Like this podcast could have been great. It really could have been. It could have been a very tight piece of reporting. Part of me also wonders like how much of it was like the contractual obligation of needing this much time and this much tape so we could have this many ads. That honestly also can bog down a story like this, um, which is a bummer. And yeah, there's a little bit too much 
And then we walked here. And then we turned the door. There's too much of that, of course, because Wondery. That being said, um, the reporting is very good. And there are moments that are very, very good. And I learned stuff. I just wish I learned more about Malta. Let's be real. So, yeah, thumbs up for me. Not huge thumbs up. But, yeah, thumbs up for me for who killed Daphne. Now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast, a little something I like to call the crime of the week. Police in Mexico City have identified the man who replaced cups of water for marathon runners with white rum. Officials say the culprit had drunkenly left a nightclub at 6 a.m. before the Mexico City Marathon. He approached a table with dozens of plastic cups filled with water and began pouring booze into them. Race officials noticed the spiked drinks and dumped them before any runners could take a sip. The water station was at the halfway point and gulping straight alcohol after running 21 kilometers would have been dangerous to the marathoners. Police were able to catch the man who poured the rum because, naturally, he posted a video of himself doing it on social media. The race organizer blames the incident on the city's mayor for allowing nightclubs to stay open until 6 a.m. in the first place. Panel, help us make a new way to celebrate race day. What is your marathon-themed cocktail? Laura Bricker, what do you think? Uh, I am going with the rum runner. Oh, my God. I mean, we can't beat that. But Toby Ball, what do you think? You want to give it a try? No. (laughs) (laughs) Rum runners are good, Toby. You would like them. I'll make you one. You don't even have one, Toby? No answer. I Well, you know, I, I... um, There's also one called the Roadrunner. The Roadrunner. Mm. That was the yes. one I was thinking of. Very good. Very good, Toby. But what about you, Kevin Flynn? Do you have one for this? Yeah, I also have the uh, the Rum Runner, but mine is uh, 26.2 ounces of Captain Morgan and one of those aluminum foil blankets. <laughs> that sounds about right for you, Kevin Flynn. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. Laura Bricker, if folks want to reach out to you and get your Rum Runner recipe, how can they find you on Twitter? They can find me at Lara Bricker. And Toby Ball folks want to reach out to you and give you hints on how you can best answer the crime of the week next week. How can they find you on Twitter? Please do at Toby Ball NH. And Kevin Flynn, what about you? How can you be found? I'm at Kevin P. Flynn. And if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you can find me at Reb Lavoy. Follow the show on Twitter at Crime Writers On and please join our incredible, inclusive community in our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. Just go to Facebook, look for us, hit join the group. Support the show at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You get the Crime Writers On After Show, Mary with Podcast, Laura Bricker's Leave It to Bricker Podcast, and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club Podcasts. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the very handsome and in Spain, Olivia Burdett. The executive producer of this fine program is Kevin P. Flynn. This show was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio, otherwise known as Studio C, The Closet, in our New Hampshire basement where we keep all of our secret government documents because that, apparently, is where people store them these days. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you... Later! Later! Recording in progress. I guess that means we're recording. (laughs) Are people going to start showing up? Are Are we in the actual thing? I don't know. I guess. I don't know. I'm assuming it's working. (laughs) Uh, I guess in a minute I should check, uh, like, uh, my email, see if people are screaming, like... Oh, there's 33 people. Oh, yeah, okay. there's 37 <laughs> participants, yeah. Oh, participants, there We're we so go. technically okay, proficient. Yeah. Laura's yeah. like, right. who's here? What's <laughs> happening? <laughs> That's good. Um.
BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.